Hello, and welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a minister, and what it means to be a follower of God. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And we're here to talk about unsuccess. So, in this podcast, we want to talk about what it means to live the Christian life. Um, I go to or have gone to a lot of ministry conferences, and I know you have as well. And for the most part, you hear a lot of, here's how to grow your church, here's how to uh, spin your church off into different kinds of ministries, Uh, here's how to um, be the most effective at what you do, and... Uh, it honestly, if you pulled God out of these talks, it's a pretty normal leadership kind of message. Yeah, uh, and let's face it, in the church world, if your church is not growing, your church is dying, right? Yeah. That's what, at least what we're conditioned to think. That's what we're we're told to believe because it, it, if the any living organism grows and if it's not growing then it's on that process of dying and so if the church if a an organization and you can i mean it's not limited to just church of course this goes to any organization any business um just really any social structure as well um and so the purpose, we have to have a purpose. We're conditioned to, to believe that we must be growing. We must be getting bigger. We must, in order to be successful, we have to be doing things better and yeah. better and better. And the question that that I've thought about often is when is good good enough? Ah. When is big big enough? When are we doing things well enough? Yeah. When is enough enough? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you're taught throughout Uh, Ministry school, you're taught don't pay attention to things like numbers or amount of people. And the same people that say that point to failing churches because they're either staying with similar amounts of people or losing people. Yeah, it's so frustrating, like... Don't worry about numbers, but, but you got to have numbers because numbers is an indication of health and growth. And, of course, if you're not healthy, if you're not growing, then you're dying. Right. So, uh, when, like you said, when is good good enough? Is it 10 people? Is it 100 people? Is it 200 people? Is it 20,000 people? Yep. So... Oh, man. Um, It seems like lately people are catching on to this. And, of course, we admit, like, ah, no, you know, 
God wants something. God wants something more. It's bigger. It's not about how much money you have or how many people you can gather, um, but it's uh, it's about how effective you are at and being in in your community, at serving your community, at loving people. Um, and so we have coined this phrase, redefining success. And, and so we, we, uh, we still want to, um, want to matter. We still want to achieve something. We want to know, make sure that we're hitting the target, that we're, um, that we're getting an A on our report card, um, that we're doing our job well. And so this notion, this idea of success still lingers out there. Even, and I've talked to so many people about this idea of shifting, of a paradigm shift. That's really, that's really what it is. It's a big worldview shift about how we think, how we operate, um, and and there's so much at stake: our worth, our value, what we do um, as people, both professionally and personally. Um, how we love others, how we operate, what our motivation is, um, and oh, and and we've we've coined that because we still want to be successful somehow we still want to measure up and so we've changed the scorecard say okay well we're going to change the matrix by which we are scored but we're still holding on to this idea of success even by saying redefining success we're we're let's take away the numbers let's take away how much money we're making but we're still assigning attributes to make sure that somehow we can achieve, um, that we can arrive at this goal in which we're supposed to kind of operate in under and through. Yeah. It's, it's a very, uh, part of it just might be a very American way of thinking, but yeah, we have, we need to have an idea where we're going and then we need to aim for that. And if we if we don't have anything, then we feel like we're completely lost. And what are we doing here? Yep, there's no purpose. There's no value to my life or to what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And I I talk to so many people in the area we're in. We're in Northwest Portland, and in North Portland here, we see so much great ministry going on but often it's it looks like a, a bunch of people failing at what they do <laughs> and unfortunately if you put our ministry in the in the terms that other other people do um i a church of 10 people who are um who are uh, giving no money and who don't have a lot of skills and who mostly aren't sure of uh, what they believe. I'm, I'm just sort of making up a church here, but uh, 
that would seem like a massive failure. Yep. And yet God's doing something in communities like that. We see communities who are working on things like housing or helping the homeless, or there's uh, some people who are helping with like a homework program. There's community gardens. There are small things that are happening and they don't seem very successful at all. And yet we see God's hand at work throughout this area. And I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to find what's happening here on any metric. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, oh, there's this tension, David, like, cause I am, I'm all for setting goals. I'm, Sure. I'm all for establishing a mission and a vision, both professionally and personally. Like, I, I'm not terribly interested in just kind of wandering through life aimlessly. Um, and so there, uh, there's this push that says, oh, we, we need to have a metric. You know, we, we need to have specific measurable goals that we know whether or not we've hit it or not. Um, but I, I, I think we, we're so inundated with this Western mentality. Maybe, maybe it's the capitalist society in which we live that, um, that is all about achieving, um, competition is huge. It's something ingrained into us. Um, I am, I am very competitive as a person. Like if, if we go out and run or do something, it's always a competition for me. And I don't, that wasn't something really taught to me. Um, but it just seemed to be instilled as, ba- as far back as I can remember, just in the, in the social kind of systems and, and um, in our society in which we live, we, we promote this competitive spirit. Um, and there's good things that, that come out of that. I don't want to diss that, but, oh, but when we're not winning, it it feels bad. Charlie Brown once said, he goes, I, I know winning isn't everything, but losing ain't anything. And we don't like to lose, and yet I, I feel compelled. I feel this, this draw towards this idea of, of losing, of being an unsuccess at everything we do. I I look at Jesus and I look at his life and everything about him was unsuccessful in in a Western mentality, in a Western understanding. Right. Um, And I I don't know. I, I just think that God has something bigger in store or bigger in in his plan of creation of humanity than being successful at what we do. Right. I had a friend of mine who drew an arc. Not not like a boat arc, but like a 
like an arc. And it, it goes up and he says, if you're starting a ministry, or this can be true of a business or whatever, um, you, you're going to have an arc where for like 10 years, you're going to be on the up and up, you're going to grow, and then it's going to start arcing, going back down. And you need to change things up so that you'll start arcing up again. But if you look at the book of Mark, you you see an arc where Jesus gets more and more of a following for the first eight chapters. The crowd start following him, and then he ticks them off. Yep. And they leave him, and it arcs back down. And he doesn't really change anything up. He just keeps ticking people off until they nail him to a cross. I mean, he's a big fat failure if you're putting it on our terms. I mean, the church was birthed out of his work and that's awesome. But if we're, if we're following Jesus, his, uh, his, his business model is kind of a terrible one. It really is. At the, <laughs> the end of the day, he had 12, he had 12 guys that, right. that followed him. One of them betrayed him pretty majorly. Yeah. Um, sold him out. Yeah. Um, and of course, that was Judas. And then Peter, of course, the, the one that Jesus kind of put all his eggs into that basket. Um, he really invested, I think, probably more time into Peter than than any other disciple, he also betrayed him. And at the end of the day, when Jesus was on the cross, where were his followers? Where were his, even even the 12 disciples, his close disciples, where where were they? Right. Right. They, they didn't get it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's always fascinating me as well the Jesus encounter after the resurrection Jesus encounter with his disciples and they still seem kind of clueless. Um, yeah, well, they locked themselves in a house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did that, and then and then even after they saw him, was it um, the end of John? I I love that encounter of where with Jesus and Peter again. Maybe that. That's a story where Jesus is kind of reconciling um, or kind of oh, giving back, um, speaking worth and value into Peter's life after after he betrayed him. But what do they do? They're, they're sitting around and they're like, hey, Peter, James, what do you guys want to do? I, I, don't, I don't know. Let's go fishing. And they reverted back to what they were doing three years prior. Um, back to kind of what they knew. And they still didn't, even after Jesus appeared to them, they still didn't actually really get it. Not, I, I really think it wasn't until the filling of the Holy Spirit where things began to click for them. And they remembered like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. And their eyes really kind of began to be open. Yeah. Um, and none of them, none of them went on to be successful. I mean, they all died. They all got killed. Yep. Yeah. Pretty horrifically. And, yep. Um, and, of course, Christianity was birthed out of their their work. But 
that wasn't f- until a few hundred years later that it really took off, um, kind of out of the ashes of, of those first few centuries after Christ. Yeah, yeah. And so as we think about what it means to be a Christian then, I think that success is not the model, at least personal success and uh, earthly, worldly success, even quote-unquote Christian leadership success is not what we're after. Uh, Jesus modeled not success, but faithfulness. He modeled obedience. And the disciples, I mean, in spite of their just tremendous failures at times, uh, they they were after obedience. Uh, Paul is um, about faithfulness and not Success. He was way more successful, I think, as a as a Pharisee. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Christian life then is not about success. It's about faithfulness. It's about obedience, and that can come in large ways, but it also comes in small ways. And you see, um, you see so much that God does often with so little. And so, as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus, we might not think we have a lot to offer, and honestly, we don't. And that's the point, but uh, God does so much with an obedient heart, a faithful heart. Yeah, and I would... I push back a little bit because, like you said, this is what it means to be a Christian. I, I firmly believe that this is at the core of humanity. It, it's what it mm. means to be, to be human. And I think there's something about God's nature that, um, just as, as man and woman, like, oh, there's there's something ingrained, something, um something there from the beginning that I think this notion of of achieving, um, of success, of winning, is actually kind of at war with what it means to really genuinely be human. Um, and of course, Christ, I think, is that, is that perfect example of humanity is that kind of that restoration of the image of God in which we were created. Um, I think there's, there's something there. There's something about a contentment, a peace. Um, when, we, when we learn to put others in front of ourselves, when we learn to lose without kind of whining or complaining, or um, there, there's something beautiful there. And, and, I've I've tasted it. I've gotten glimpses of that, um, and I continue to continue to strive towards that. I there are leaders that I have I don't know, done some life with um, that I've observed where they just have this peace 
they have this contentment in all things, um, and and God uses them immensely, but they don't want to be found. They don't want recognition for it. Um, they are quite content. Philippians chapter 4, we talk about Paul. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's a verse that we we love to jump on and we say, yes, we can do great big things. You right. Know? You have to put it on the poster of the football player. Yeah. 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 Um, but right before that, Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so he goes, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Right. And there's that contentment that Paul figured out um, after having his successful career as a Pharisee. God kind of brought him to that point of being ruined and being wrecked um, and really took him deeper to that place of contentment of saying, man, whatever happens, just that faithfulness and that obedience to what God has really called us to um, is th- th- that's our call on, that, on our life. That's really what it is about. It's not about performance. It's not about winning, um, but it's about learning how to be content in all. And it's through that heart, it's through that attitude that that we can do anything through Christ who, who gives us strength. But it's not until we learn to be content in all things, I think, that um, that we can experience the, how the, the real greatness of God, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Faithfulness is... Uh, not always sexy. It's not always pretty, and you're never going to find Philippians 4.12 on a football poster. Right. I know what it means to be uh, hungry or poor. I know what it means to be in in a good place. That's That won't look good. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't look as good on a bumper sticker, but that's the Christian life, man. Yep. It's about being content in all things, being faithful in all things, being obedient in all things. And so that's what we want to dig into on this podcast. And we're, um, we got a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things to talk about in time. So uh, we hope you'll join us. Uh, it's, I mean, we're, we're going to do like 300 of these, right? Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds. I like, yeah, I, the goal is to have a successful podcast yeah. on unsuccess, right? Right, right. Tell your friends because we need to have uh, at least like 10,000 listeners a week. If we don't, then we should just give up because this podcast isn't worth it. Right. Because yeah. we don't know what it means to podcast in uh, contentment or in... Uh, hunger we we don't uh, we're not okay with taking this time unless 10,000 people are listening right and then we've got lots of guests that yeah. I'm hoping will join us kind of at some point and 
I, I don't know exactly how that's going to go quite yet. You know, like, hey, David, uh, do you want to come be on our show about being unsuccessful? No, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I think I think everyone will be completely on board because uh, everyone wants to be told they're um, a failure. We that that we have a podcast about being unsuccessful and we thought of you. <laughs> That's right. You're the one we immediately thought of when we put this show together. So please join us. I actually asked someone to be on this podcast today and that was his immediate response. So uh, this should go well. <laughs> I, I, I think, ah, man, really at the core of who of who we are, I guess, is complete and utter failures. Um, and I think that's the beauty of grace, the grace of God. Um, right. And I, I really, we preach that every week, and yet I don't know if we really truly believe it or live in it fully. Oh, it's so um, hard to. And especially, again, in this Western capitalistic society, I can do it. I don't, I don't need God, and I'm going to kind of muster up my own strength. We have strategies for everything. Um, if your church isn't growing, well, here's a book that will help you. Um, if your business is not succeeding, well, you know, here's a, here's a leadership book. Um, you know, the 12 principles of leadership that is a sure way to, to make your business or your church or your organization successful. Yeah. Cause that's what it's about, you know, then in about being successful and, more and more I run into these people who are just tired, who are tired of beating their head against the wall over and over again and and I I really think that God's grace is sufficient. Yeah. And there's there's this desire, there's this longing for that and to really live into that um and this uh this again this peace that god is inviting us into it says you know what i'll love you the same even if you are a failure even if you're unsuccessful as long as long as you are faithful and obedient to me yeah we should write a leadership book called How to Make a Church Die a Slow and Painful Death. <laughs> the, 12, the 12 Principles to Killing a Successful killing Ministry. A yes. <laughs> That's right. That's our next plan. Well, we hope you'll join us in the future as we crank out a bunch more of these. Uh, but for now, I'm David. And I'm Josh. And this has been the Unsuccess Podcast.